Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Job chapter 28, a a poem in the center of Job on wisdom. Let's listen to the Lord. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They're forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it, the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where's the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth and it's not found in the land of the living. The deep says it's not in me and the the sea says it's not with me. It cannot be bought for gold and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of a fear and the precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. These are God's words to us. Would you turn back to Job, uh, chapter 28? Now, starting uh, next week, two of our trainees uh, are going to be taking us deep into the wisdom of Proverbs. Uh, Over four weeks, we're going to look at four aspects of life and how Scripture uh, shows us the wise, wise way to live. And it'll be a zoom in kind of view on things. So this week, just as a one-off, we're going to take a step back and we're going to look at wisdom with a a wide-angle lens, I suppose. See the the big picture. But wisdom itself might feel a long way off for you. 
perhaps you're more likely to say uh, it's confusing than I found uh, wisdom because life does feel chaotic at, uh, often, doesn't it? It's like when you're in a traffic jam and everyone seems to be trying to cut across each other exactly the same time. feels like that at the moment, definitely down at the south end of town with the, the bridges doing different things. It feels chaotic, confusing. Um, you know, anything we, we try just feels like it can end up a bit of a muddle, you know, like trying to tidy up when you've got a small child who keeps tipping more on the floor, uh, or just the fact that you put your headphones in your pocket or a charger lead in your bag, and somehow it always comes out more tangled uh, than before. Uh, life feels messy and confusing. And it's the same, though, as we look at the more significant things of life, isn't it? The day starts normal, and it, and it ends in a mess. You know, with inflation rising, jobs ending, friends perhaps dying, trains crashing, countries fighting. We can look at it and shout aloud in frustration. It's confusing. And, and in the midst of all, knowing there's a, a God, we, we try and search for order in it all. And the confusion and the, the wrenching pain, the, the question that often pours from our hearts is, is why, isn't it? God, why, why is it like this? And at that moment, we're in a search, we're a hunt, uh, wanting answers, we're wanting a certain kind of wisdom. And as we we do so, we join in with many believers throughout the millenniums, including this man, Job. Now, Job, he's an upright man, a good man who lost everything, if you know uh, much of his story. He lost his money, he lost his house, he lost all his children and his health, and he's left with virtually nothing. It's, It's immense and horrific suffering. And Job is left asking, why? Why did this happen? Now, Job had three friends who came to help, uh, but they, they did the opposite. They, they end up blaming him often for it all. And chapter 28 appears in the middle of Job's last speech. And it's a moment, it feels like a moment of calm in the storm of Job's defense. It feels a bit like a moment of clear thinking for him, a moment when he steps out of things. And it's this, this poem about wisdom as we get into this, we're going to see there are two kinds of wisdom. And here Job is asking for one of the kinds, for, for the big answers to life. Really, He's asking for what orders all of creation. How does it really work? He's not just asking kind of what it's made of or how it fits together. Something much deeper, more fundamental. When it, when it all looks chaotic and confusing, how does this world fit together? You know, think of it a bit like the, the architecture of a computer program. You know, if that's... You know, it's that information that gives the, the fundamental structure of how and why a computer works as it does. Now, if you're anything like me, it seems as if computers can, can be a bit alien, have a life of their own. I, I get what's going on on the surface, you know, like a moving a mouse or writing some emails, but, but when you see the code behind, it, it's like you've entered a kind of another strange realm. And when, when something goes wrong, at that point, you need someone who gets the architecture, how it all works on a deeper level. And Job, he's, he's seeking that kind of understanding. And perhaps you empathize with that quest. You look around the world and you'd just love to know how it all fits together. You want to make sense of the chaos. Well, here in Job 28, God gives us an answer. But it might not be the answer we were hoping for. Because firstly, God shows us we, we look for the wrong kind of wisdom in the wrong kind of place. We look for the wrong kind of wisdom in the wrong kind of place. Now, 
Uh, firstly, this poem shows us we've been looking in the wrong place. Job, Job knows how great humans are at finding and discovering valuable things. We've mined silver, gold, iron and copper, even sapphires, precious jewels. We've, and we, we've gone to the ends of the earth to find them. And some of the imagery in this, this poem is amazing. You know, verse 3, man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the furthest limit. How that puts an end to darkness. There's, there's no place on earth that mankind has not shone its torch. No place where we haven't opened it up and let sunshine reach it. You know, we found oil in Alaska, rare crystals underground in, in New Mexico. I read of one rare gemstone called muscovite that is only found in South Australia, Greenland, Madagascar, and Antarctica. Antarctica, we even searched for precious stones there. And that's because there's no place we haven't explored. We've even gone, verse 7, where the, the falcon and the lion haven't. You know, we've been deep into the Mariana Trench. We've been high to the top of Everest. We've gazed through telescopes at the deepest space, even perhaps seeing the edge of the universe. So our knowledge, our knowledge of this world is extraordinary. And verses 9 to 11 show us how, how our power and technology lead to this vast knowledge. You know, we know what's in the earth. Like we've, we've overturned a mountain. That's an amazing image, isn't it? We, we can put in a spade and dig up a mountain to see what's there. We can channel rocks and dam streams. We have such power. We can even see the hidden things. We can see inside the brain using scanners. We can know what's inside a cell with a microscope. We visited microbes on the edge of a volcano and discovered planets and other galaxies. We've, we've taken photos of every centimeter of the earth. We are great at discovering, aren't we? Seeking out, finding, knowing the, the valuable things of the universe. It's extraordinary knowledge of the natural world. But then we hit verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? You know, with all our achievements, with all our vision and knowledge and technology, with our insights and PhDs and lab reports and journal articles, surely we can find wisdom. The architecture, that, that deep structure to life. And we've looked, haven't we? Verse, uh, verse 13, we've been looking in the land of the living. Verse 14, we've been looking in the deep and in the sea. In other words, we've been looking in creation. We've been looking in the wrong place. Because we know we can turn the world upside down. We know we can see into mountains and into the brain, into space. So we think the answer, well, it must be there because that's where we look. And so we turn to creation to find the answers. I don't know, perhaps we've turned our science into, into theories of life, of evolution and Darwinism. We've or well, we've turned our technological progress and we've said, well, that must project into human life since technology keeps improving. Surely that's what people do. Or well, we've left a, let our understanding of the brain and human body guide us and yet all this knowledge doesn't actually give us wisdom. It doesn't tell us the deep things of life. It doesn't tell us why. It doesn't tell us how to live. That question, but, but where is wisdom to be found? It leaves us saying, well, well not here. We've been looking in the wrong place. Because in the end, when we're left with just a theory with no basis to it, and, and in our human hands it often goes wrong, doesn't it? Social Darwinism leads to far-right Nazism. You know, having the progress of technology is seeing catastrophic wars and nuclear armament. Looking at our brains for the answer just makes us think we have the answer inside us. And we've robbed ourselves of identity and peace. We've been looking in the wrong place. 
You know, it's like when you've, you've lost your glasses and you really thought you lost them in the front room. You turn it upside down to find them. You, you look behind the sofa. You look under the cabinets. You go through every toy box of your, uh, of your children. You start opening up their books. You even, I don't know, take the cushions out of their covers even though you've, no, you've never done that in your life. Uh, but you think, your glasses, they're in here. When actually all, your lo- all along your glasses are in the bedroom. And as a world, we've been, we've been looking for wisdom in the wrong room. We could have sworn it would be in creation because that's what we know about. We can explore creation so it must be here. We've hunted high and low, but it's, it's just not here. We can't find it. Where shall wisdom be found? Now, since we can't dig it up, we've tried to buy it in. Verses 15 to 19, we've got gold and silver, gold of Ophir and Onyx and Sapphire. We've got more gold, more jewels, more coral, more crystal, pearls and topaz. Surely with all this, we can just buy wisdom. And that's the kind of Western mindset, isn't it? If we can't deal with something, let's just throw money at the problem or sort it out. We put and more money into research, more money into technology, space discovery. Just notice what's talked about in most general election campaigns. It's money. We'll invest more money. That's what all the parties are about. How much am I going to spend? That's how we'll sort out the NHS, family breakdown, how knife crime will be dealt with money. Let's buy wisdom. But notice verse 19. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. We've thought too lowly of wisdom. We've cheapened it. It's much, much too valuable to buy. Just because we can discover riches of the earth, it doesn't mean we can buy wisdom with those riches. And so verse 20, we're left again with this haunting refrain, from where then does wisdom come and where is the place of understanding? It's not in creation and we can't buy it. Not even death knows. We've been looking in the wrong place. It feels like we're trying to grasp at the wind. We just want to know the answers to life. We just want to know why. Why are these things happening? What are the secrets to my existence? And perhaps you're sitting here this evening and that's the search you've been on. You've been longing to find that wisdom, that architecture, the blueprints to the universe. As we've seen with Job, it's often in the pain, the question, why, explodes out of us. And perhaps you've tried to get kind of different views on this world to give you the answer. You've tried to get a view from the the dizzying heights of success in your work or or hobby. Perhaps you've tried to get a view from, from relaxation, like spending your days in the mountains or days in meditation. Perhaps you've tried to buy it, loading your bank account or resting on... I don't know, the all-pervasive view of science. But in the end, they're just like us. They're answerless, silent when it comes to the deep things of life. Perhaps they've given you temporary relief, but not the answers we hope for. We've been looking in the wrong place. But what's interesting about this poem is that we've also been looking for the wrong thing. Verse 23, the writer turns us uh, our gay, uh, to Sorry, a writer turns our gaze from creation to God himself. And here we see that this kind of wisdom is God's. Verse 23, wisdom is known by God. He knows the blueprint. He's seen it. Verse 27, he saw it, declared it, established it, searched it out. He knows it because he, uh, he created by it. Of course he knows it. He's the architect. He even knows it when life seems most confusing and chaotic. 
Verse 25, he knows it when he weighs the wind, when he measures the stormy seas, when he makes heavy rain and thunderstorms and and terrifying lightning. Even when nature seems at its most chaotic, God knows the wisdom. God established the wisdom. Just imagine the vast knowledge of God. Okay, we think we understand creation and yet he knows the weight of the wind. We think we know the depths of the oceans, yet he apportioned it. He knows the the chemical composition of every molecule of the seas, the exact time and place lightning will strike. Our knowledge doesn't even come close. But more than that, he knows why. He knows the reasons, the order, the logic, the architecture. So if anyone can tell us, it's God's. If there's anyone out there who can show us the meaning of all, it's him. The poem just kind of left us grasping for it. We've been searching. We've been searching in the wrong places, but now we know where to search. Surely God will tell us. But notice verse 28, the climax of it all. And he doesn't tell us. He doesn't give us the answer to what it all means. It's actually a little taster of his answer to Job later on in the book. God never tells Job why he suffered. He never tells him all the reasons, the logic behind it all. He doesn't tell him the architecture. Instead, he says, verse 28, fear the Lord and turn from evil. Now, we'll, we'll think about that answer in the moment, but that answer does not give us the meaning, the order, the key to unlock what is going on in our world. In other words, he's saying, You've been searching for the wrong thing. This kind of wisdom isn't for you. This is divine wisdom. If we think about it, how can he explain to us the intricate wisdom of this whole universe? How can we understand his infinite knowledge and his planning uh, that established all the things across the world? You know, how can we, humans as we are, search out the intricate web of all our lives? How everything interrelates, how my circumstances affect my relationships, how my suffering will change my faith or my life, how something happening to a friend is actually affecting other people. For most things in life, God doesn't tell us why. There's mystery. Of course he gives us broad reasons in scripture, but not this kind of answer. Wisdom is for God to know. Not only have we been looking in the wrong place, we've been looking for the wrong thing, the wrong kind of wisdom. This is humbling. He is God. We are not. His wisdom is not just greater than ours. It's on a whole different plane. It's infinite. God is not like us. We cannot contain him with a few questions. This kind of wisdom, this understanding isn't for us. And it's not just humbling. It's also hard and yet freeing all at the same time. It's hard, but you know, when we're in the midst of pain, we deeply long to know why. The the silence can be excruciating in that moment. God can just seem so absent. To To be told this kind of information isn't for you can feel like we're being excluded, kept out of the loop that we think we should be in. But somehow, actually, this answer is extraordinarily freeing. Because we're free to let God be God and us be us. We can leave the big architecture and the results and the knock-on effects to him and just deal with what's in front of us. As we sit beside a loved one in a hospital or find ourselves gripped by grief, we can, 
we can give ourselves to those moments without the crushing weight of knowing all that's bound up in what's going on. It's good and right to live life not knowing everything. We leave that to God. We can stop looking for the wrong kind of wisdom in the wrong place. And instead we can look for the right kind of wisdom in the right place. The right kind of wisdom in the right place. Because just because he doesn't give us the big scale architecture doesn't mean he, does, he leaves us empty. It doesn't mean he just says, sorry guys, life's a mystery and you've just got to lump it. No, there's a right kind of wisdom found in the right place. Verse 28, and he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Here we see the right kind of wisdom, not the big scale architecture, but a kind of wisdom that is right for us as creatures, a wisdom that allows us to live in God's world rightly. We can understand our place in God's creation. We can live a a life of meaning and, and purpose. It's a wisdom we can cope with and grow in. From the rest of scripture, we, we see it's not a wisdom that comes from digging up creation, but actually from observing it and learning from it. And it's more than, more than just skill. Uh, some people have said the difference between knowledge and wisdom is like this. Knowledge is, is knowing a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. But the biblical wisdom is much more than that. It's moral, it's judging what's better, a good way to live in God's world. As verse 28 says, it's turning away from evil. To put, to put it differently, it's, it's growing in character. Think of Jesus' wisdom, teaching, like, 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 encourage, uh, like encouraging us to, to look at the lily of the field and, and see the way God dresses the lily. Wisdom is allowing that truth lead us away from worry. And into a deep-seated trust of God's care, even in life difficulties. It's the right kind of wisdom. As we get into Proverbs over the next few weeks, there we'll learn what this wisdom looks like. Proverbs will show us a creaturely wisdom, godly living character. But the key thing about this kind of wisdom is where we find it. We have to start in the right place. Because it starts with worship. Verse 28, behold, the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. God says, if you, if you want that kind of wisdom, if you want to grow in living well in this world, in this world I've made, then, then start on your knees in worship of me. Start in trust of me. Come to me. This kind of wisdom needs a, a complete change of direction, doesn't it? From the wrong place to the right place. It's like we need to be reorientated, recalibrated, like a... A faulty compass, our search is pointing toward the wrong thing. You know, rather than excavating creation, we need to seek the creator himself. Rather than relying on human effort and human progress, we need to come on our knees before the one in whom everything finds their goal. Rather than just wanting wisdom, our existence finds its rest in the one who is wise. Wisdom, it starts with worship, not with fact, with works. It's, it's about a relationship, not about gaining facts. And so it's no wonder that in the New Testament it's said of Jesus Christ that in, in him are all the treasures of wisdom. Because he centers us on knowing God. In Jesus we come to know God himself. As the writer to the Hebrew says, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. As Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
And he teaches us to trust God, to come to him, to believe in him, to follow him. The journey of the Gospels is a journey of of relationship, of worshipping God and Jesus more and more. And as we follow him, we also start to see him as the example of wisdom, don't we? He's a man who shows us fear of God, of turning from evil. In his life, we see how to treat authorities and the weak. We see his compassion. We, we, we see the best way to engage in discussion. He's the exemplar of wisdom. And so, to become someone with wisdom, a right human wisdom, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to learn from him, to begin in worship. That's the right place. That's the reorientation we need. Turning it like a, like a compass, a full 180 degrees. God answer to what wisdom is. Well, it really strikes at, at human existence, doesn't it? If you're not a Christian here tonight, then perhaps, perhaps you've already felt the shock and difference to what God's answer to life is. Because he's, he's saying before we can understand life rightly, before we can engage in the complexity of life, and we want to do that, but before then we need to be in the right relationship with God himself. Just recently I heard of someone who was frustrated that, that Christians were telling him about Jesus rather than just helping him to uh, understand how to live well. well. That's because worship has to come first. The vertical comes before the horizontal. We have to start in the right place. You know, who or what we worship isn't irrelevant. It's not something that sits in private and can be kept there. It impacts everything in our lives. And Job 28 is described as fear. That's not like fear of spiders. It's, it's a reverent fear. It's more like a fear we would have on coming before your company CEO or something. You wouldn't waltz up to him and say, all right, mate. No, we'd treat them with some reverence. And coming to God in fear, it's, it's a reverent fear of who he is. But also it has a wonderful trust in his love, doesn't it? As he's shown us in Jesus so that we can come to him at all. And it does change everything. Life really does take on uh, meaning. God really does give us wisdom. That the right kind of wisdom really does come from starting in the right place. Because Jesus shows us how to live. Just for example, uh, as life becomes about God's glory, not our own, we're we're free to love and, and serve people rather than loving only when it makes us look good. Well, knowing God is creator, it frees us to enjoy the creation he's made. Not exploit it for we can, nor feel guilty for enjoying it. God-centered life is a wise life. So if you realize you've been centering your life on the wrong question and trying to find it in the wrong places, can I urge you, come to Jesus. Look for the right kind of wisdom in the right place. But as Christians, we know this is an ongoing thing, isn't it? We never move on from God and growing in wisdom. Often, I think our battle is making sure we keep God as God and me as me, a creature. And I wonder if, if our longing for future knowledge is just a symptom of getting this wrong. I think often when we need character, what we search for and pray for is knowledge. We want to know who we should marry, where we should go, what job to do. We want knowledge. And we're, again, we're actually wanting to see the overarching picture. And God, God generally doesn't tell us that kind of thing. 
Instead, he wants us to have the right kind of wisdom. That we'd look more and more like Jesus. We'd be making good decisions, but with what he's given us. Limited creaturely knowledge. And again, this is freeing. Freeing for us. Rather than getting lost in in hunting for knowledge that isn't for us. Or getting frozen because we don't have it. We consider what seems right in light of what God has told us in the Bible. And then we make a decision. And, and as we come to God in worship, submitting to his will, he keeps changing us bit by bit. Growing us in wisdom, even as we feel in the midst of the chaotic confusion around us, we trust him, don't we? We trust him. And as we do, we, we do end up finding that right kind of wisdom in the right place. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know we can be so quick to forget that we are not God and you are. And Lord, we do wonder at the extraordinary wisdom you have. And we praise you and thank you that it's safe in your hands. And Lord, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of confusion, help us come to you in trust and help us seek the right kind of wisdom. Help us seek godly character. Help us want to be made more and more like Jesus. And so that's what we pray for tonight, Lord. We, we pray you would change us, sanctify us, make us more and more like him that we may lead lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.